I just want to debunk that myth that sales is not just about selling people something that they don't really want. You're there to solve their problems. Welcome to my podcast, Keep It Spicy. My name is Shuba, and I will be your host for today's episode. Interested in hearing about love, life, travel, and career? I will be exploring all those topics and more. If you want to tag along for something fun, entertaining, exciting, and of course, spicy, hit that follow button so you can stay up to date with more episodes. Now, let's get into it. This is Keep It Spicy. Today's guest is Liz Avrutov. Liz is a hardworking, highly motivated, energetic, and eager to learn individual. Liz has a business diploma from George Brown College and three plus years of experience in customer service, which included supervising and people management. Liz is also a go-getter, currently working at the EdTech startup in downtown Toronto, Hi Mama, as an account executive. Hello, hello. So thank you for joining me today, Liz. I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. Yay, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I'm going to start by asking you to tell me and our listeners like a little bit about yourself. What's your story? You know, what have you been up to lately, personally and professionally, if you want to share? Basically, what's the spice to your life? Totally. Okay, well, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about my sales career. So I can definitely start with just a little bit about how I ended up there. So I was studying business in George Brown without really a prospect of what I wanted to do afterwards. And very casually, I was, I ended up participating in a sales competition. It's called the Great Canadian Sales Competition. And I was literally just participating because we were asked to do it to get 3% on our final grade. And I was like, yeah, why the heck not? So I ended up being part of this competition and I was in the semi-finalist round, which is 25% of all of the participants. And they had basically events for all of us, like networking events to be able to meet uh, different sales professionals. And I did not think I was going to end up in sales whatsoever, but because it was a networking event and I was a semifinalist, I was like, okay, let me just go see what it's all about. And that is where I ended up meeting um, three people that were part of a company called Hi Mama and basically ended up having an awesome conversation with them. A week later, I got um, an interview. And then a week after that, I had my contract actually three months before I finished school. So it was really awesome to know that I was already set up with a job and was very nervous to enter the sales world because I totally wasn't really up for that. Like I, I was quite a shy person and wasn't thinking I would be good at it. Um, but I just went for it. And so I've been in sales for the last year and a half or so. Um, I was on, I was on furlough during quarantine and had the time of my life. I learned how to headstand and I did like literally exercise every single day and was able to focus more on myself. And that was like genuinely a time that I needed for myself. So that was a really, really good time. Um, now I'm back at work and currently just working from the bedroom literally on a daily basis. So that's kind of my life in a nutshell right now. 
I love this. I love this. This is the power of networking kids. Like you got this job offer before you even finished school without even, you weren't even actively looking. Were you at the time? I wasn't. I actually just went because I was hearing that networking was a good thing to do. <laughs> and I, I actually wasn't going to go to this networking event. If I could share a brief story here. Um, I went to the first networking event, didn't meet anybody that I was really interested in starting a job at or interviewing for. And then the second networking event, there was around four and I was quite, I was feeling like I was getting sick that night and I wasn't going to go to the event, but I already brought all my clothes downtown with me. And I was like, okay, I just have to see this through and at least go and show my face there. So I went and that was when I saw these three people standing in casual clothing among all the others who were in suits. And I was like, whatever they're doing, I want to do that. So literally just from a good conversation that we had ended up realizing that that's something that I would like to interview for and just ended up with my job that way. So totally the power of networking, 100%. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love it. And the power of just like, kind of like just pushing through something, even when your mind and heart is not completely there because you're feeling like a little lethargic or whatever. Like I support this. I love this story. It's actually one of like my favorite stories of how somebody got a job. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's how you landed your role, like your highly competitive role or like sales career job. Um, could you also tell us something about yourself that people might be surprised to learn? And this is something that we could have not necessarily been able to search up about you on the internet. I think a lot of people don't know that I sing. It's a really random fact, but a lot of people that meet me are like, no way, there's no way. And then I let them hear one of the songs that I've previously recorded and they're like, that doesn't even sound like you. And I'm like, well, what can I do for you? But <laughs> that's, that's actually a fun fact that nobody typically knows about me. Oh, I love it. Also, folks, Liz does dance a lot. Um, <laughs> she's pretty good at it, too. Um, so, yeah, we're going to, like you said, we will be talking about sales a little bit. And, you know, we're also going to be talking about how you de-stress from it. So talk of weed will be involved here. Disclaimer. Starting off, so like sales is a very like customer facing role. So if I may ask, what makes sales stand out to you over other customer facing roles? Well, I'm going to be really honest here and I'm sure that anyone who's in sales would probably attest to this. Definitely money is involved in the kind of attractiveness of sales. I think with a lot of customer facing roles, you work really hard and you talk to a lot of humans and you do a lot for them. But unfortunately, a lot of these roles are not paid quite what they deserve to have. Um, whereas sales is very much like, sure, you have your base pay, but it's very much commission driven. And so every person you talk to, there's this end goal of hopefully closing that sale and getting that extra commission from it. So um, it's a very difficult job. So like the, the fact that money is a, a big piece, I will definitely say that that's huge for me. It's definitely a lot to do with them, um, with the salary and the commission. Okay. And how easy or difficult would you say it is for someone without much selling experience to come into this role, would you say? You know, I don't think it's very difficult to enter a sales role when you haven't done sales before. I think you definitely need to have certain just like intrinsic, maybe, you know, communication with people, just being good or at least liking to communicate with others because you basically do that on a daily basis. Um, 
besides that, I, I honestly will say myself that I came into this role with not very much sales experience. And I was nervous that because of that, I wouldn't be able to do my job, but it's turned out quite the opposite. So I would say anybody who's sort of thinking about getting into sales and not really sure if they have the like credentials for it, definitely just go for it. If you're good at communicating, you're probably going to be good at sales. Branching a little further into that question, what would you say to somebody who is trying to get into sales? Like, what would you say are the three important things to keep in mind? I would say to keep in mind that in sales, you're not just there to sell meaningless products to meaningless people. You're actually there to build a relationship with people. And I think that a lot of, a lot of salespeople will see it that way, but from the outside, it doesn't look that way. It looks like we're just, you know, every person is the exact same to us. We're just trying to sell to them, but you need to understand that in every sales relationship, the person will like will pick up on the empathy that you have towards them and the questions that you ask to better understand their situation. And so if you don't have that empathy and the good communication skills, I think that those two things are extremely important to have as just like basics in this role. And if you think that this is just a role where you're going to sell whatever to anybody who's like willing to put down their credit card, that's definitely the wrong way to look at it. And at least in the space that I work at in the childcare space, you definitely have to have that empathy component. Can I ask, you know, out of curiosity, if I was a buyer, what would like a cold, your cold outreach look like? It would look something like, hi, Shuba, this is Liz of Rutoff calling from Hi Mama. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am good. Thank you so much. So I would typically start with, well, I know I'm totally reaching you out of the blue here. I'm sure you're thinking, who the heck is this lady and why is she calling out of the blue? If you don't mind, I'll just take 30 quick seconds, tell you exactly why I'm calling. Is that okay? And then they typically say yes. And then I'll go in with like a kind of 30 second pitch, which right now has been centered really around COVID and how we've been helping centers deal with all of the new procedures that they have to handle. Okay. I love that. I like how it starts very casual. It You don't sound salesy. It's very much you're just like trying to have a conversation with me if I'm not mistaken, right? That's literally the key. If you sound salesy, which I used to, you're just going to get an immediate not interested and hang up. So you definitely have to find those little ways of kind of either adding humor or empathy to the situation where you're like, I understand that I'm reaching you out of the blue completely. Like you have to put yourself in their shoes. Totally. I know that like salespeople also do tend to, you know, try to maintain contact. Obviously you're trying to nurture relationships, as you said, but how do you avoid that, that just checking in syndrome, you know, like where you don't want to keep pestering them with the repetitive, like check-in emails, like how do you balance that? Yeah, that's a hard one. So in general, we really just try to get to the bottom of things in the first call. Like if we're doing a demo together, I'm giving you the permission to say no. And I will say that in the demo a couple of times, like it is totally okay. I am not going to take it personally. I would rather us get to like a, yes, you absolutely love this and you want to get it going or a no versus like a somewhere in between. So I definitely put, put it out there to tell people that it's okay to say no right away. Understand that if you see that this is not a fit for you, just totally be open with me and we can end the call right here as friends. Um, so basically just by doing that, I think it lets people just feel free to really share their true thoughts and opinions if they're not really loving it. Um, and at the same time, if they are, it just pushes them even further to be like, okay, yeah, like I'll, I'll definitely tell you that this is my go-to. What's something that you've taught yourself lately 
for your role as an account executive? This is something I think I'm still working on. And my manager is uh, kind of on me to help me with working on this, which is just to shut up. <laughs> Sometimes I have a tendency to, and I think all of us as humans, we're kind of like this, especially when you're in a sales role, you kind of feel like there shouldn't be this dead air and you should right away like interject and say something before there's like this awkward silence. Um, oh, yeah. I have learned that that has gotten my way quite a bit and I have to learn to really stop talking so I can let the person really finish their thoughts because sometimes it sounds like they're done and then they're still like processing and a second later there's something more and if I would have interjected I would have then missed this important information that they have now just thought of. Um, so learning to shut up is something that I am actively working on as an account executive. Could you walk me through the most successful or just basically the steps that you took towards landing um, like a successful sale? or one of your most successful sales? What were the steps like? Could you walk me through that process? Yeah, so the first one that comes to mind is basically in the beginning, she was not very open to technology. She wasn't really, she wasn't really in the technology market. Like she wasn't looking for anything. And it took me a little bit to convince her that, you know, with times changing and COVID being around, this is really a good time to at least have a look at the technology before totally knocking it down. And she came and during the tour, it went unlike I expected. She was super into it. She, you know, we have, um, we have something called a paper patty in the childcare industry space. And basically <laughs> those are the people that really are never going to switch from paper. They're super set with their paper ways and they do not want to look at technology. She was what I thought would be one of those, but she ended up loving it so much with the presentation that she took the necessary steps it took to get it implemented in the center. And that actually included, she was part of um, a university. So it required a lot of like IT approval and then the Dean had to approve it and then budget council also had to approve it or something like that. It was a lot of steps, but the cool thing is with with steps like those, there's a lot of time in between and it really gives you an opportunity to build a better relationship with that person. And so I think the really necessary successful steps that resulted in this closing is the fact that her and I stayed in communication the whole time. I checked in with her like every three days or so, just making sure is there any resources that she needs? Okay, she got this answer, cool, then let's send them over this information. Like basically just really staying on top of everything and. Um, that was, that's the first one I think of when you ask me of a successful sale that she's really happy with what she's got. On the flip side, could you describe your like big, I know that, you know, you just mentioned that one of the challenges is learning how to let the customer speak a bit more basically like to keep shut when the customer is talking and to let them just, you know, take care of their thoughts and all of that. But could you describe like another challenge that you had when you first started out? And this is like going back to your, your first few days as like a business development representative, even before you came into the selling closing side of sales? Yeah. So I think assumptions are one place where you can go wrong. If you just assume certain things about a prospect instead of asking them, I remember very clearly I had one demo and it was a lady who was comparing our app to her app that she was currently using at the center. And she really loved the tour. Everything was going really well. She was the owner. So I had the decision maker on the line and I knew that I could close her on the spot if I really wanted to. And I made that assumption 
without first figuring out if she was looking at other competitors. And so we have this, you know, these certain tactics that we use to try to close people on the spot with certain incentives that we give them to do so. And so I tried that route and that was the moment that her and I really uh, broke trust. I, I think she, we were kind of in a, she was definitely a little bit skeptical throughout the demo of me, I think. There wasn't that wholehearted trust built, but still the moment that I tried to close her on that spot, was when she totally lost trust because she basically said to me, well, that's definitely not going to happen because I have a tour tomorrow with your competitor. And I was like, you know, I got red and I was like, shoot, like I just made a mistake. I shouldn't have closed this lady on the spot. If I knew she was looking at a tour, I wouldn't have even tried that tactic. And we lost her. And uh, we actually don't know where she went. She might've stayed with the app that she's with, but she won't tell us. And um, that was an unfortunate situation where I just made assumptions instead of, you know, straight up asking and covering all my bases. Thank you for sharing. Um, also, another question about, you know, your role as an account executive, like that transition from being uh, a sales rep, sales representative to like a junior account executive to the actual account executive. At what point do you finally feel confident about knowing the ins and the outs of the app, because that is a very important part of sales where you're able to confidently convey to this customer or this person or this person or this, you know, this entity that you're trying to obviously sell to, but build a relationship with as well. At what point do you get to that feeling of like, okay, I'm confident that there is a way that our app can solve your problems, you know, not, not just in the sense that like the app is able to do that, but in the sense that you're able to, because you know, your app so well, and you can make it work. Cause like, I'm sure that like, you know, as amazing as all apps are, or as amazing as technology is, there's always going to be something that we're not able to fulfill, or there's always going to be some, like something in there that we're like, ah, oh, if only we could do this. So at what point do you become confident with, your skills where you're like, you know what, you're able to kind of like maneuver a way around this and make it work. And how did you, how would you say one can get to that point of feeling very confident? To be honest with you, confidence is something that I personally struggle a lot with. And I can't say to this day that I feel completely confident in my demonstrations because there, like you said, there will always be small little things that someone may ask you that you never have been asked before. Little tiny administrative details that nobody's ever talked about, not from the like people that I work with to the actual customers that I'm selling to. And so I personally will say I never feel completely confident. However, as a business development representative, I felt a little bit disconnected from the app experience itself. Cause while we had product training, you know, until you play around with it and until you do demos where people ask you specific questions that relate to their industry and the way they do their day-to-day -day things, you never really fully understand. I know that we can technically help with sort of like umbrellas of categories, but I don't necessarily know like tiny details of, well, can you do this one small thing that I require that, you know, I had no idea if we have. So that happened a lot as a business development rep. Um, as a junior account representative, I feel like that's where my confidence started to grow a little in the product because you actually start demoing people and they'll say, yeah, but 
we do so and so on a daily basis. How would you cover that? And so it really challenges you to like almost think outside the box of the way that you would typically demo the product. You're almost like solving their challenges with workarounds and like makeshift ways of doing things in your app because you want to make that sale and you want to make it possible. Um, so I feel like as a business or sorry, as a, I feel like as a junior account representative, I really started to pick up on the product better and feel more confident. But to this day, as an account executive, as much as I, I do feel much more confident in our product and how to explain what our product does, but there are always demos where there's this one super particular director who has very minor details and things that they're looking for. So we have this one lady, Pam, who helps us with every support question we have. I'm pretty much messaging her on a daily basis. So I can imagine that along with all of this, there's a lot of rejection to deal with in sales because, you know, you have to filter through a lot of no's before you finally get that yes. So how does one learn to not take the rejection to heart, you know, to not take it too personally? Because it's part of the role. Yeah. Oh, girl, <laughs> I'm still working on this one. I will be honest, there are calls where I still get off of that phone and I'm like, oh, that was so bad. Like that little Mm, you know, like you, there are still those calls where you totally take it purse per, like me, I'm talking about my own experience. I have not been able to completely not take these calls personally, because I look at it like we're all humans. And, you know, when I pick up the phone to salespeople, I'm never rude to them. I definitely will tell them if I'm not interested right away. So I don't waste their or my time, but I'll very politely say that and finish the call. Whereas a lot of people are you in sales, you learn that there's a lot of different kinds of people. And some of them are really, really rude and not even just, I'm not interested by, but like, will actually yell at you and get mad at you for calling and for doing your job. So it's, it's actually really difficult. I will say that for someone who's emotional like I am, I find that part of things really hard that you have so much rejection before you get a yes. But at the same time, you literally just have to remember that this is not you. If you just look at sales statistics or all around the world, this is just how sales goes. You will literally get one yes for every 10 no's, perhaps if even that kind of conversion rate. So, you know, you just have to literally understand that this is the role and try your best to put on like a, a front of, I don't care, this doesn't touch me, I'm a good person, let's keep going and on to the next call. So I try my best, but I will definitely say that it's not always easy to do that, to not take it personally. I can imagine, yeah, that is a good way of looking at it, of just understanding that like, having like some compassion for yourself, but like, yes, I am a human being, this does hurt a little bit, but this is like taking me closer to that yes. Exactly, you got it. So this brings me to a bit of a transition now. So how do you de-stress from like such a highly competitive, you know, extremely numbers driven role, you know, where the numbers and the quota matter like every day, every week, every month, like what are things that you do to wind down from that? Yeah, you're totally right in saying that the numbers matter always because the problem in sales, especially the kind of sales that I'm in, which is just month to month quotas, is you can be crushing it one month. I'll give you an example. Um, last month, I was at 33% um, to quota up until week three of the month. And so I was completely down the first three weeks feeling like I don't know how to do my job. I have only made one sale. I'm only at 33%. Clearly, like I have to rethink my whole life. Like all of these conclusions that you make in your own head when you're that low in quota, because that really is 
the indicator of your performance in a sales job. It doesn't matter how many calls you make or how many emails you send. It's all about how much you sell. And so that was last month. I was at 33%. In week four, just the last week of the month, I made so many sales that I actually got to 167% to quota. And so yes. all of that yes. roller coaster, <laughs> all of that roller coaster that I went through the whole month, feeling like I wasn't good enough and doing really crappy on the performance side and feeling like I'm just no good, literally. I just needed that last week to, you know, refresh, get all of my sales in, and then it was the new month and I'm back at zero. So that's literally the roller coaster of sales is that you can be doing so well or so bad, but the next month you're back at zero. So even if you were on a high, well, you better get off of that high horse now because you're back at zero, back at square one. So that's, that's, it really is a very stressful job. And so when it comes to de-stressing, there's quite a few things that I've implemented in my day. Um, so first and foremost, during the workday itself, somewhere in the middle around before lunchtime or so, I'll get up from my desk, I'll do a 10 minute, 15 minute kind of workout. It could be Pilates, it could be um, like literally just upper strength, like whatever it is, just movement in my body helps me so much. And besides that, we've me and my mom, I'm working from home now. And so my mom and I have basically made made it a thing that we make salad every single day. So we'll stand there, we'll chop salad, we'll talk about our days. And that's really helpful too, to just have someone to like air things out to. And lastly, just trying to leave work at work and smoking weed when I get out of work, just like literally <laughs> leaving it behind and finding things that help me feel better. And I'm not saying that weed and alcohol or any other type of drug is like the way to go. Personally, this is the way that I have found that naturally helps me. That also just makes me, um, makes me be able to kind of leave work at work and move on with the other half of my life when I'm outside of work. No, for sure. I like that leave work at work. I think that's something that is very important that we all need to keep in mind, especially now when you work from home. So before it was like you would go to the physical office, work, leave the office physically. Maybe you'll carry work home with you in your mind, but at least like, you know, you're out of the office. But now that everybody's working from home, it's almost like we live at work. So I think that's like a very important thing that you brought up. And then going a bit further into the weed aspect I need you to educate me um so like I've heard these terms like sativa and indica and all of that tossed around like could you explain the difference to me and like which do you consume like which helps with like de-stressing and just you know allowing yourself to relax a bit more sure yeah so sativa versus indica is honestly a very interesting discussion because I think there's a lot of misconception around it out there um in in weed, there are two kind of active parts of the plant that we, the ones that we care about most that are either getting us high or relaxing us. They're called THC and CBD. And every strain of weed has a different amount of THC to CBD ratios. One will have more CBD than THC, one will have the other way around. And so the, the way that the strain is going to impact each person really depends on those two things, how much THC and CBD the plant has. Therefore, 
just breaking it down to sativa, indica, and the in-between, which is called hybrid, it's just not enough because there could be so many different types of sativas and so many different types of indicas. But I will say that on a, on a general level, what we all know to be sativa versus indica, sativa is known to be this very like during the day type of high, like you can be productive and energetic and happy and euphoric and it's it's not going to like put you to sleep basically was what sativa is whereas indica is actually known as like a couch potato type of weed it's more like a mm -hmm. going to sleep de-stressing sitting on the couch watching tv not really doing productive things um really for like stress relief um appetite control things like that um like for people who don't um, who don't eat on a regular basis or have problems with their appetite, this will help kind of stimulate that. So there's, there's these two categories and there's also an in-between. I personally find that sativa gives me more anxiety than reduces my anxiety. It makes my brain a little bit too active, which is what I'm trying to get rid of. My brain is already active enough. I'm just trying to calm down. And so I have switched actually in the last year since I found this out, I've switched to only indica. And so I still try to pay attention to the CBD THC ratio because like I said, those can vary quite heavily, but um, Indica is my definite go-to for stress relief. Out of curiosity, since you know, you do live in like, you live in Canada, you live in Toronto, like you live around Toronto. Um, what were your thoughts when, you know, weed was first legalized back in 2018? Oh man, yeah. Well, you know, just like a lot of people who have been smoking since their high school days and have been waiting for that day to come, I was obviously really happy that it was something that was in, on the radar that they're trying to legalize weed. But when I started hearing about how they plan to do so and how they are wanting to have this pure monopoly over it and not, not extend this to the people that I understand they've been in the illegal weed industry, but we needed people, we needed someone to provide us weed. So, you know, if the government wasn't doing it, all of these other businesses the illegal businesses they were but you know what while they were illegal sure they knew what they were doing they knew weed they know people they know their customers they know what we need and they're very knowledgeable in this industry and so i thought it was really unfair that the government wanted to have this pure monopoly where only certain people would get like the ability to have this business i think that they should have really taken advantage of the people that knew this business and had them all up and running and so I'm actually not a big supporter of government weed at all. Um, so my personal thoughts on it are like, great, that's like a step in the right direction, but we're not quite there yet. Gotcha. And transitioning back into like, you know, what you do at home to help de-stress, how has the pandemic actually changed your work habits since, you know, now like you don't have office habits, now you have at-home work habits? Yeah. Honestly, work from home life for me has been so good and I don't want it to ever change. Um, I, there, was, there was parts of the office life that I liked, you know, when you have really good friends at the office, of course, it helps bring you up and, you know, have those extra friends, I guess, like, you know, they're coworkers, but they're your friends too. And so it was nice, but having my own office at home has been magical. So I now, instead of spending an hour and a half every morning to commute to work, I do yoga or I do rollerblading. I do something to move my body, even if it's just stretching in the time that I used to spend on transit. And besides that, I wear my freaking sweatpants because who the heck cares? <laughs> Business on the top, 
pajamas on the bottom. So nobody sees my pants. And you know, there, there are some articles and people that will say that if you don't dress for success, you won't like do as well and blah, blah, blah. I don't, I think that's shenanigans. Like, I think that you should be able to wear what you want to wear at work and be comfortable. I don't want to be in like tight pants calling people like, why the heck would I do that? I want to breathe. So just being able to wear what I want, being able to exercise before work, during work. And even if I feel emotional during the day and just want to like go cry it out, I get to cry it out. I don't have to like go to the washroom and hope that nobody sees me. It's honestly, it's been brilliant. And like the, the no, no commuting to and from work is just like the cherry on top. Oh, I love that for you. <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> so now my next question. So basically it's the same question, but I'm going to break it down into two. So what is one common myth about working in sales that you'd like to de- debunk? And then one common myth about smoking weed that you want to debunk. Okay, so let's talk about the sales one first. And I actually did touch on this earlier about how a lot of people seem to think that sales is just literally just selling people something that they don't really want. That's a huge misconception. And I I do want to say that good sales reps are truly problem solvers and your whole role is about working with prospects to understand what their needs are and presenting potential solutions to address those needs. So you're really focusing on what matters to these people and trying to solve their problems. If they don't have a problem, great, you move on. I just want to debunk that myth that sales is not just about selling people something that they don't really want. You're there to solve their problems. And in terms of the weed one, um, I mean, I think very common the first one that people think about when it comes to weed is that people who smoke weed are not productive they're just like couch potatoes they don't do anything they don't they're not productive they don't do get anything done that's definitely a myth um i am definitely a good example of that and i know a lot of people that are Uh, of course we'll always know those people that smoke weed on a daily basis who don't do anything and they're not productive and that's really on them i don't think that it's the weed that's playing that role i personally i smoke on a daily basis on the weekends i smoke multiple times a day and i'm still super productive at work i'm one of the top performing reps um i exercise i do all kinds of things in my life that make me really productive so that's a huge myth that is definitely not correct i can attest to that yeah liz is you are the opposite of the lazy couch potato unproductive person (laughs) very much the opposite and now my final question before we head into the lightning round what advice would you give to other people or to somebody else who wants to do the same thing you are doing they want to pursue a similar career to yours yeah My advice would be not to listen to the thoughts in your own head that tell you that you're not good enough or you can't do it or you're not good at communication or any other thoughts that stop you. Because if I had let my thoughts take over back a year and a half ago, I wouldn't be here where I am making pretty good money, feeling pretty good at what I'm doing. So my biggest recommendation is literally to just block all of those things out and just freaking go for it. You never know until you try. Worst comes to worst, they'll fire you. No freaking problem. But you'll have time to really build up your, you know, build it, build it up and see if it's something that genuinely is or isn't good for you. But unless you try, you will never know. So just go for it. That is some solid advice. And now we're going to shift gears on the questions just a bit. It's time for the lightning round. 
Are you a morning person or a night owl? 100% morning person. Would you buy a business or start a business? Start a business. Three things to have by your side when working from home. Dog, weed, good homemade food. Are you a hunter or a gatherer? A hunter. Your go-to snack? Definitely Smart Sweets. For anyone who doesn't know Smart Sweets, yummy, yummy. They're awesome Canada-based candies that are not sugar-based. It's uh, plant-based sugar. Anyways, they're freaking awesome. Go buy them. <laughs> Love it. We'll tag them in the description. <laughs> Sponsor Liz. <laughs> Would you rather travel for work or work to travel? Both. <laughs> Both. I want to travel for work. And I also want to make enough money so I can travel all the freaking time. But if I had to choose one, I would say work to travel. Would you rather be high in the forest or on the beach? Ooh, both very good options. High everywhere. Beach over mountain. Beach over forest. Best advice you've ever received? I feel like I want to say something that's like confidence related. I've gotten a lot of good advice, but honestly, I think the best thing that I live by is just like to do unto others the way that you would like people to do unto you. Um, just literally to treat other human beings as human beings and not be like overly judgmental or put anybody down for the way that they are or the way that they speak or literally any of those things. Just like be kind and, and do unto others the way that you like people to treat you. And the worst advice you've ever received? This is a really hard question. I think that the worst advice I possibly got was basically to continue friendships just because you've been friends with them for a long time and that it's always worth like really fighting it out and trying to make that friendship work. I don't think that that's always the best. Actually, I don't think that's good advice at all. I think that you should follow your heart and you know if somebody is compatible to you as a person, as a friend, as someone that you want to talk to, if you're feeling negative vibes, if you're feeling, you know, just really bad energy from this person and you're not happy with the way that it's going, then just end it right there. You know? And I, I think that that actually got in the way of my life quite a bit in high school where I thought that I needed to remain friends with someone just because they, we were best friends for many years. And luckily we're not friends anymore, but that took me a long time to realize that people change. And if people become manipulative or show their true sides and they're just not good people, why the heck are we going to work on that? You know, there's nothing to work on. So just cut the people that you don't really need. The words of truth, <laughs> positive vibes only. Yeah, exactly. And now my final question, actually, I'll rephrase the question. So my question was going to be, if you could describe yourself as a flavor, what would it be? But since you love smart sweets so much, if you could describe yourself as a smart sweets flavor, <laughs> which one would it be? Ooh. Okay. Yes. You definitely got that right. If I was any flavor, I would definitely be like a, like really sweet something. Um, <laughs> But like I eat sweets like daily, um, but smart sweets are something that I consume on a daily basis. And I would have to say my favorite, favorite one. And I think the one that would probably describe me best is this, um, the sweet fish. It's kind Ooh. of, it's kind of similar to like the Swedish fish, but like has a lot nicer texture and flavor and everything. <laughs> um, but yes, it's just, it's pleasant. It's yummy. And it's not sour. I think that's me. That is, that is you 100%. I can testify. <laughs> All right. And now to wrap up the episode, we wanted to send you folks off with a quote. So since you're the special guest, Liz, I would love for you to do the honors. Yeah. So I thought about this one quite a bit. I have a lot of quotes that I live by, but I think this one is 
A really good one to remember right now during COVID when we're all seeing social medias of other people and we think that everyone's got it together and we're all feeling like we're not good enough just because of that. So I just wanted to put this one out there. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself in any direction you choose. Dr. C. Love it. So sweet. So cute. Thank you so much, Liz. This was a lot of fun. Thank you again for joining me and sharing like all this insightful information about sales and weed and just taking care of yourself and the the life advice you just hit us with in the end. So I appreciate it very much and thank you and good luck. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. That brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you folks enjoyed that. Join me next Sunday for another episode on Keep It Spicy. If you want to stay in the loop, follow me on Instagram at underscore Keep It Spicy and on Twitter at Keep It Spicy Pod for more related content and some pick-me-ups in the middle of your week. Like, comment, and share the content and podcast with friends and family. On that note, remember folks, keep it spicy, yours truly, XX.